All right, y'all, what's happening? This is your man, L. Jamal, coming through with another edition of Never Out of Bounds. Of course, this is a place where you can say what you want as long as you got them. In fact, we have a lot to talk about. Uh, I have taken, a, I decided to take a mini vacation and that's at the top of the week. Uh, notice I said mini because in all reality, it was just a couple days and uh, I still still maintained i still kept up with my reading and my research so again it was still business as usual just took a sort of mini break from recording and stuff like that uh but i am back and like i said there's a lot to go over uh we're gonna be going over some sports uh stuff today of course this is uh this is my big uh, hodgepodge everything uh that i've missed over the past couple of days of course we have some thursday night football to talk about course uh it's opening week for the nba so we're going to talk about the second night uh, the second night round of games from last night so uh game all the game twos from last night of course we've got we're gonna i'm gonna get you guys up to date on the world series if you're not up to date there yet we have a little bit of baseball news to talk as well and then uh we have some college football to go over uh so and then after and then after uh, we get through everything here i'll uh, basically be laying out what i got planned for the rest of the weekend uh basically some more reviews and then I do have a word on the street segment as well so uh, but let's get right into it of course this is gonna be my sports day nothing but the sports stuff but let's get right into it of course last night we had Thursday night football and the Vikings they end up moving to six and two on a year getting another easy win he well it didn't look necessarily easy for them on offense but they were able to get the win here against the hapless Redskins 19 to 9 is the final score here like I said the Vikings move up to six and two on a year and the Vikings uh, sorry, the Redskins are now one and seven. Let's break down the stats in this one on offense for the Redskins. Of course, they were led by quarterback Case Keenum, who went 12 to 16 for 130 yards, but he did end up getting a concussion. So Dwayne Haskins had to fill in for him, going uh, going just three for five for 33 yards, and he ended up throwing a pick as well. On the ground, Adrian Peterson would lead the way with uh, 76 rushing yards, and wide receiver Terry McLaurin would have four catches and 39 yards, leading all Redskins receivers it was a very very bad night uh on defense the skins were led by linebacker john bostic who had nine total tackles in a sack and defensive end jonathan allen who was able to have nine total sorry seven total tackles and a sack so again it wasn't necessarily easy for the vikings offensively but uh unfortunately for the redskins uh, they have with all the, I mean, and they had some good moments defensively, but uh, offensively, in particular, I would say quarterback play, it's uh, it hasn't been boding well for them. And then you know you got the saga with Trent Williams, you know, one of the greatest, one of the best, I would say, best offensive linemen of the past five or ten years, in my in my personal opinion. You having that lack of production on the offensive line, and it doesn't, it, you know. It, it doesn't bode well right now. And, of course, you had Jake Rubin getting fired. And he's had so much drama uh, that's been coming out about him the past few weeks. Even before he got fired, it was just amazing uh, how we how he got to be there that long. But, again, I guess the Redskins are living through the sins of their owner, Dan Schneider. I think he's one of the most ineffective owners in the NFL today. And that's coming from somebody who watched the Raiders, uh, who watches the Raiders and, and is a fan of that. And who, who was a fan of them and saw Al Davis lose his mind near uh, the time before he died, unfortunately. Uh, Daniel Snyder is even worse than that. And unfortunately, uh, my family, who is fam uh, fans of this team, some of them at least, 
they have to suffer through this. And that's unfortunate. That's unfortunate. I think everybody who lives in the D.C. metropolitan area should be a, a Redskins fan. And I don't think they should be rooting for the Cowboys. But I think when you have a loser like this who's your owner and you get this production of a loser football team, then that, that's how you get Eagles fans in Southeast and stuff like that. you like, what the hell? You live in D.C. You got Dallas Cowboys fans. They live in Northeast like, oh, well, and they, that don't make no sense. But again, you know, I digress. When the Raiders move, I'm pretty sure you're going to see a lot of people jumping ship and say, I'm a Niners fan now. Goofy. I just couldn't do it. I'm sorry. I, I got to rep the team that I'm that I'm that I've always chosen. And that's 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 me personally. But anyways, I'm taking it too far. Let's talk about the Vikings for a little bit on offense. Of course, Kirk Cousins, uh, he wasn't terrible, but he, he didn't he didn't, uh, he didn't fly. I mean, it wasn't great. 23 to 26, which is good in terms of, you know, you know, percentages and all that. 285 yards is a solid number as well, but no touchdowns. Uh, no interceptions either, but no touchdowns. So again, it was okay, but you know, it wasn't necessarily something to write home about either. On the ground, Dalvin Cook would lead the way with 98 rushing yards and a touchdown. He'd also bring in five catches for 73 yards. Uh, Stephon Diggs would lead all receivers with seven catches and 143 yards. So nobody scored any passing touchdowns in this game. I think, uh, if I'm not mistaken, uh, the Vikings scored the only touchdown. Looking at these stats here, at least the only offensive touchdown. That's a damn shame. These both these teams. And I don't know what to make of the of the Vikings right now because if anything, they should have blown this team out. And there's a lot of mistakes mistakes that they made as well. And just Kirk Cousins is just not the phenomenal quarterback that you know he's being paid to be. So again, I, this team is still a question mark to me. I don't I don't think you know even at six and two, I don't think they're that great. But anyways, on defense, they were led by linebacker Eric Kendricks who had six total tackles and also defensive end Daniel Hunter who had four total tackles and a sack. Let's move on. Uh, we're going to talk well, uh, week six is uh, underway. We're going to, I have three questions. Oh, sorry. Week eight. I'm sorry. Ooh, week eight is underway, but I got three questions going into this week and then I also got a couple more key matchups to talk about as well. Well, actually a few of them. Uh, my first question going into week eight, week eight is how long will Mitch Trubisky, uh, Mitch Trubisky, excuse me, start in Chicago? Uh, there's already been some talk about him. I hear, I hear his name all in the first takes, or not the first takes, excuse me, but the first things first, and the undisputed. His time, they're, they're talking as though his time is up. I mean, I haven't seen anything to be amazed by so far yet in his career, but at the same time, it's not as though the Chicago Bears are last in their division or they don't have a shot at the playoffs. Uh, I still think he definitely needs, there's areas of improvement <clears throat> to be made. But again, I think if he had some healthy wide receivers, I think if he had a really legitimate running back to be able to depend on, I think you see some changes there. The defense is already in place. I think the coaching is is pretty decent as well. So I think you give him another, you give him a, maybe another wide out, a star wide out through the off season, or you give him an upgraded offensive line. Maybe you get Jonathan Allen or somebody. He is looking to be available. So I mean that would be the smart pick for me. And then you see, really, you see what he can do because the receivers he has right now are so so in all in all reality. Uh, we're not we're not telling nobody saying. In that and then let's see, let's be honest here. Tariq Cohen is a is is a is a good talented back.
back, but again, he's not an every down back, and he's not somebody who's going to lead the carry the rock and give you a thousand yards a year. And again, he's he's solid to the point where he's versatile, but I think he's definitely a good change of pace back. You need to have another stalwart right next to him, right next to him that can actually take the take the majority of the carries, in my opinion, in order really for him to be effective offensively. So again, I think there's some changes that need to be made in the personnel, and I, I still think. You know, in the learning curve, we have to be real here. The learning curve for everybody is should not be the same. We're putting everybody to what what standard are we holding Mitch Trubisky to? Uh, we already knew who he was coming out of college. We already knew what his quirks were. We already knew where he needed the most work at. As far as I'm concerned, he's made marginal improvements. I can admit that. But again, he hasn't been able to really uh, be given a chance, at least coaching-wise or offensively, to free up his game a little bit. Again, I think the receivers he has are quite limited, uh, maybe with the exception of Taylor Gabriel. Uh and that's and that's kind of how I feel about that one. So I'm on the fence about that one. I, I say we I say Chicago probably gives him the rest of this season and really takes a look at his numbers and see what they want to do. I mean, if they're in a position to, to move on from him, if somebody does become available, then yeah, I, maybe you take that chance. Only if somebody becomes available. But I'm not looking to just right away draft somebody, uh, you know, right away and have to go through potentially the same process, you know. So it, it's not necessarily worth it in my opinion there. Um, my next question is, of course, Josh Gordon has recently been placed on IR. Uh, it's uh, been confirmed to an extent that the Patriots are looking to move on from him once he gets healthy again. Uh, basically, uh, by putting him on IR, it wasn't a significant injury that he had, uh, but by putting him on IR, it was able to uh, allow them to free up room uh, to be able to trade for Mohamed Sanu. Uh, so they, that, was a, that was a deal that was in the works as well um, recently this this week so again uh patriots looking looking to move on from josh gordon where does he land uh is he still the same player with all that's with all that's been happening with him in the last uh, few years uh of his career so that would be the first question that i would ask i'm not 100 percent sure but i'm still sure that there's a market for him because of course people need pass catchers uh, i know the raiders would would like to uh, have one that's decent uh maybe even the cowboys uh there's there's a, quite a few teams maybe even the packers because of you know all the injuries that they have on the offensive side well at least the, the wide receiver side of things so um somebody's gonna sign him i believe uh, i just i guess the question is now is when does all this take place um now uh now my final question is if the if the chiefs lose sunday would that put the AFC West up for grabs? And this one, I'm going to wait and see, of course. But I think that was a solid, it's a solid question to ask because, again, the Raiders, again, they didn't play their best game uh, versus uh, the Packers, of course. They got blown out. Uh, but I think I don't think that's necessarily indicative of what we can do. I think we can play a lot better. Uh, it just depends on the matchup because again, we were able to beat we were able to beat you know the Bears at some point, and the the Packers had a very difficult game against the Bears. So um, in my opinion, there's there's definitely holes we need to fill up in terms of the secondary, maybe even more so the pass rush than anything else. We still haven't been able to generate one there. So uh, I, I don't think a, another Chiefs loss. I'll wait and see, but let's just see. I mean, I have to wait and see on how they play, but as of, as of today, Friday, I think it would make things interesting only if the Raiders, well, yeah, only if the Raiders, uh, everybody else wins, even the Broncos. Everybody else would have to win. Maybe I would just say the Raiders 
and maybe the Chargers. Because in my opinion, those two teams would have had uh, the, the next best chance to win a division, in my opinion. I would go with the Chargers beforehand, if we're talking the beginning of the year. Now, so at this point in the season, I'm kind of iffy on uh, either the Raiders or the Chargers. If 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 uh, Kansas City does, if Kansas City falls through, uh, then I would I'm I'm on the fence on who I would take at this point, whether it be the Raiders or the Chargers. So I think if they win this weekend, both of those guys win this weekend, we have we have a, a wide open division. If if not, if Kansas City can maintain uh, the status quo, then. I think you can. It's safe to say that they they might be able to, to, to walk away with the division. Not to say that they, you know, that the the Chiefs or sorry, the Chargers and the Raiders don't have a shot at the playoffs. But uh, again, a loss for Kansas City and a win from these other guys from those other two teams would open things up, even from Denver uh, in all reality. Uh, but let's move on. I got three key matchups going uh, for this week week eight. Uh, first up, we have the Packers and the Chiefs. Of course, uh, this one is going to be important. The Chiefs come into this one five and two. Uh, they were able to get some get back last week. They were able to get a solid win, uh, but they have to go up against a Packers team that just recently blown out the Raiders. Uh, you know, and they're, they seem to be firing on all cylinders too the question is can the can the chiefs keep uh can the chiefs keep improving that pass uh that sorry that rushing defense uh they they give up almost 150 yards a game something like that uh near the bottom of the league in that stat as well so again in terms of touchdowns giving up and yards getting up so the packers come into this one what a pretty solid running game with Jamal, uh, with Jamal Williams. So the question is, oh Jamal Adams, not Jamal Adams, Jamal Williams, excuse me. So, you know, and of course Aaron Rodgers diced up the Raiders last week, diced up the Raiders secondary. I don't think the Chiefs secondary is all that much better. I think Aaron Rodgers has a game. It'll be interesting to see again because because uh, you have the Chiefs without Patrick Mahomes, and again you don't have you don't I mean you don't always come across the look that the Panthers have come across because uh, you know Taylor Allen or Tyler Allen excuse Kyle Allen excuse me has uh, led them to you know this significant win streak, and this does not normally happen. I don't think that that happens here uh, with Kansas City. I think they really need Patrick Mahomes, especially in a game like this where it's where it's likely to be somewhat of a barn burner, meaning there's going to be a lot of points scored. Uh, I'm, I'm not. I'm a little bit on the fence about this one, uh, but I, I like the Packers shot in this one just because I don't trust the Chiefs defense and I don't. I don't trust their backup quarterback to, to get them through in this one. I got the. I got the Packers winning this one by at least two touchdowns. Why not? Why not? Next up, we got Panthers and the Niners. Of course, the Niners come into this one six and zero, and the Panthers, of course, four and two. Very lucky. Again, I think the luck ends at some point. I'm not too sure who comes into this <clears throat> this game, the starter. Uh, but I I think the Niners get the best they get the best of this Panther get the best of the Panthers at this point. Well, yeah. I, I, let me think about this one real quick. Let me think. Let me think. I definitely think they both played some very some good enough talent to see, uh, for them to see how they earn their record. So, 
um, what I'm saying is that the, the record matches pretty much. If you look at who they played on their schedule, you can pretty much see that that matches the record that they should have at this point, uh, even for the Niners, to be honest with you. So uh, I like the Niners' chance in this one. I, I like the way that they move the ball down the field. Actually, I will speak to one thing about them in just a second. I do have an issue with the Niners. Uh, I ha actually had to do some research about this um, but right before I get into praising them a whole lot. Uh, recently, they made a, uh, a a play to pick up wide receiver Emmanuel Sanders uh, for from the Denver Broncos. Of course, it was a yes, it was a, a, a trade. Uh, the Niners traded a third and a fourth round pick in 2020 uh, for Emmanuel Sanders. Now this year, he has 30 catches for 367 yards, also 12 over 12 yards per. Catch and he has two touchdowns uh now in terms of uh san francisco stats which i feel are concerning uh before i really start pushing them further and further as the season goes on they do rank last uh in a lot of in a lot of key uh statistical areas in terms of wide receivers uh they rank last in targets per game they rank last uh excuse me in receptions per game at eight just over eight and they are 31st in terms of yards per game and they're also tied for 24th in receiving touchdown we're talking about their wide receivers now of course uh george kittle is one of their better receivers on the team but he is of course a tight end of course uh now more more uh more about the Niners receivers uh they have a combined uh 679 receiving yards which is tied for what well, actually is the second fewest in the league uh their leading wide receiver not receiver i think yeah, I, just, I believe it's his wide receiver is Marquise Goodwin. And he has uh, 187 yards, which is good enough for 73rd in the league. So, again, there's some issues there. I think the Niners have a solid run, running offense. They also have a solid defense in general. I think those wide receivers are holding that team back. I'm not saying that Emmanuel Sanders doesn't solve the problem. But I don't necessarily, uh, necessarily think it fixes it as well uh so again um there is some holes on that niner team i don't think the panthers ex the panthers are able to uh exploit those uh, the, exploit those issues though so i get the nine i got the i got the feeling the niners get another one here go up seven and zero, and uh, they win this one by at least a touchdown uh, finally, I have the uh, the Bills versus the Eagles here. Uh, the Bills coming to this one five and one. Of course, the Eagles are three and four. The reason this is a key matchup to me is because this is probably next to, um, uh, I, I think, the, probably next to the Patriots. This is probably the most talented team the Bills have faced this entire season. Of course, the Bills coming to this one five and one. That only lost, of course, is coming to that talented team in new england so um it's a i think it's a very interesting game to see because again like i said this is probably the most talented team that you know, that they'll see this year that being the bills we'll see this year uh, outside of new england so it'll be a good chance to see if they are a legit one loss team or if they uh they are a so i think they i mean because if if in all reality um we'll have to see just how far josh allen has come along 
Uh, we have to see just how far that offense in general has come along with who they have there with their personnel. Their defense is going to be is still tops in the league. I believe it's top five in both passing and, and rushing defense and in, in total yardage. So, again, you still have that going for them. But this team has always been, I mean, so at least the past few years, still has had the issue of turning the wheel, excuse me, offensively and being able to score points and being able to uh to you know produce uh so uh with that being said i think they have a slight edge here uh but i think it's a trap game the eagles you know are better in my opinion on paper than what their record says and before i let you go on this nfl stuff here we have a couple uh news pieces to talk about of course there has been some player movement uh first and foremost i did mention the former uh, excuse me uh muhammad sanu also talked about emmanuel sanders one more uh, major one that I have so far, we got safety Quadre uh, Diggs. And of course, this has probably uh, changed over the past couple of days. A couple of people have probably moved since uh, I've gotten these notes. But the last main one that I got here was safety Quadre Diggs. He was traded uh, from Detroit to Seattle along with the seventh round pick in 2020 from a, uh, for a fifth round pick. Uh, sorry, uh, he was he was traded to Seattle along with a seventh round pick in 2021 for a fifth round pick in 2020. So they're just switching up draft picks and all this now. And of course, players have new locations. Uh, so far, Quadre Diggs has 20 tackles this season. Uh, and there are some Tom Brady rumors. Of course, uh, there is the big rumor that this might be his last year as a Patriot or something like that. Um, of course, he sold, I think, his uh, his house in Brooklyn, Massachusetts. That's supposed to be some big, significant thing. So look out for that one. I don't think it's all, you know, I just think it's a lot of hot air. Uh, if anything, he's getting ready to be into retirement. I mean, he only, you know, he's 42, right? Uh, he planned on playing until he was 45. So maybe he's just getting retirement ready now. And so when he's just done with it in three years, he could just... You know be done with it all i don't know i don't think it's that important until he starts saying i want to retire i think i think that that's how we should you know that's how you know we should look at things until we hear him say it until he he decides that this is the decision he wants to make then for me for you and for all the other analysts i think it's just our place is to kind of just watch and play football for now uh, all that other stuff is not really that important all right y'all i am going to take a quick break and when we come back i will be talking about some nba action of course we have just started the nba season we're going to go over some uh, some of last night's action and of course we have some news to go over over there all right y'all i'll be right back All right, y'all, I am back. Let's talk about some NBA news real quick. And the first story we got is coming out of Boston. And it looks like the tallest player in the league, Taco Fall, at 7'5", will be going into concussion proto protocol following an incident after practice on Monday. Apparently, he hit his head on a low-hanging ceiling. I've been there, done that, bruh. I kind of know how you feel. I've gotten up too, too fast in certain cases and hit my head on some sort of low-hanging ledge, so I get it. I've done that before. Damn, you got a concussion from all that? You just really, though, that's, mm, was you, what was you doing? How fast was you going? Was you just... Man, that's that's crazy. Uh, he didn't uh, he didn't notice the symptoms until the following day, and of course he ended up missing the uh, the season opener versus Philly. Uh, I do not have a final score to that one. 
I do have the final scores for Thursday's games. There you go. Uh, but anyways, uh, he's going to be out for maybe a couple more days. That's just the way that concussions go. Those are taken very seriously as they should, whether it be in football, basketball, baseball, doesn't matter. Uh, but your boy Taco Fall, the rookie, the tallest boy in the NBA, he will be out for a little bit. Um, and uh, next up, we have one more story here. This is a very, well, somewhat of a serious, yes, it is a serious story if you're a Suns fan. Uh, this is coming out of Phoenix, of course. DeAndre Ayton, the second-year player, the uh, the number one pick from last season uh, in the draft. He will be, uh, DeAndre Ayton, he will be missing 25 games. He has been suspended, actually, 25 games uh, for violating the anti-doping policy. Uh, recently, he tested positive for using a diuretic. And usually, diuretics are used to mask steroids and other PEDs. Uh, now, follow-up tests show no traces of PEDs, and uh, he ended up, well, and so he's going to end up, because of that, he's going to end up, uh, what do you call, what's, what's the word here that I want to use? He's going to end up, uh, he's going to end up challenging the, the league's decision. Uh, I, there's another term for that that I just cannot uh, appeal. Yeah, he's going to try to appeal the league's decision. Uh, now, how I feel about this, I again, if he wasn't using PEDs, then he wouldn't have been caught with the masking agent. This has been, I mean, and this is not the first time, not, I'm not saying him in particular, but this is not the first time, excuse me, that I have heard of a player uh, using some type of a diuretic in order to uh, mask um PED use and this is this, I mean it's not the first time that I've heard about it being used in that way uh it's very I'm not gonna say it's common but again because again PED use shouldn't be common but it goes kind of hand in hand so um if he wasn't using PEDs then he wouldn't have been, in my opinion he wouldn't have been he wouldn't have been tested positive for the masking agent Maybe he had already used the, the, the PEDs and had them out of his system and just, to, you know, to protect protect against whatever testing might be done. He might have ingested a diuretic. I don't know. But usually the diuretic is used for masking, you know, known substances. That's that's just the way that it goes. Uh, does he have a chance for an appeal? Possibly. I'm not. That's not my call. But again, I'm just putting two to two together again. Diuretics are a masking agent. If he wasn't using PEDs, there'd be no reason to be using something that is considered a masking agent. What would you be masking? What are you, what are you using a diuretic for in, in general? Uh, anyways, he played pretty good basketball in the season opener, which was a win, 124-95 over the Sacramento Kings. He ended up scoring 18 points, and he also grabbed 11 rebounds. So, again, he's definitely... Uh, Somebody that the Suns are going to need this year. He averaged, uh, uh, especially last year in his uh, rookie season, he averaged 16 points and 10 rebounds. So uh, Phoenix was expecting some big things from him, a big improve, big jump from him, and he kind of showed that uh, in the opening, the opening game. But uh, again, he's going to be missing 25. So uh, for the Suns, uh, you might want to call it. I don't want to say, I don't want to say pack it in too early, but. Uh, 
maybe he should start thinking about it. I don't know. Let's talk about some scores from last night. Uh, first off, we have in the Eastern Conference, the Hawks getting it done against the Pistons, 117-100. to uh, The Hawks get their first win of the year. They, of course, they're 1-0, and the Pistons moved to 500 at 1-1. One one. For the Pistons, they were led by guard Derrick Rose. He had 27 points, 3 assists off the bench, and also center Andre German had 21 points and 12 rebounds. For the Hawks, they were led by four Jason Oh, sorry, John Collins, who had 18 points and 10 rebounds. Guard Trey Young had 38 points, 9 rebounds, and 7 assists. And rookie forward DeAndre Hunter had his first start of his career, going for 14 points. He also pulled down 2 rebounds. Uh, forward Jabari Parker would also score 18 points off the bench. Let's move on. We have the... Uh, the Bucks getting it done against the Rockets. Uh, I believe the score was yeah 117 to 110. Of course, the Bucks get their first win. Uh, the Rockets open up the year with a loss. For the Bucks, of course, Giannis would lead the way for them. He had 30 points, 13 rebounds, and he also had, I believe, 11 assists. Uh, guard Wesley Matthews Matthews would help him out with 14 points and four uh, four rebounds. I think he was. Uh, I think he was the second highest scoring player on that squad last night. And for the Rockets, uh, you know, they got some, uh, well, let's just break down the stats. For Russ, they had 24 points, 16 rebounds, and 7 assists. Harden had 19, uh, 19 points, 14 rebounds, and 7 assists. And they both combined for one big argument near the end of the game. That's just all you need to know. They're already getting at each other. They're mad at each other. Well, I wouldn't say they're just mad at each other, but as you can see, uh, they're already having their issues. I, 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 I don't want to say that I, well, well, no, you know what? I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt and give them the entire season to work it out. Uh, but they also got some help from uh, P.J. Tucker, 17 points and 17, uh, 7 rebounds. So, again, uh, you already you, you heard it here first. No, you didn't hear it here first. But because uh, I'm pretty sure all everybody else is talking about it, too. Uh, they already arguing. Russ and, and, and James, they already, you know, frustrated with how the season is already looking like it's going to go. And I think it's going to be indicative of a lot of nights, just to be honest with you. But I did like the fact that, uh, actually, I think Harden had 14, uh, 14 assists in that one and not in a uh, seven rebounds. So let me switch that up. So, uh, I, I did like how, uh, they kind of switched places. Uh, Russ, again, he wasn't the ball hog in terms of getting all the assists, uh, but he did get some points. He did uh, was a leading scorer of the team, and Harden he took a little you know step back in terms of being the top scorer, and he got a lot of uh, assists. So I think both of those guys kind of complement each other in that regard. But unfortunately, they didn't get the win. That happens. They have a whole season to figure that out, though. Uh, finally, we got the Clippers getting the beat down on the Warriors. The uh, final score for this one, I believe, was 141 to uh, 122. Uh, for the Clippers, of course, they were led by guard Lou Williams. He had 22 points and eight assists and three rebounds coming off the bench. Kawhi would have 21 points. Uh, he would have nine rebounds. I'm sorry, nine assists and five rebounds as well. And finally, Patrick Peterson would also have 20 points. He had just 20 points on the dot and also three rebounds. Uh, for the Warriors, of course, Steph uh, led the way for them. He had 23 points. He also had four assists and four rebounds. D'Angelo Russell, the shooting guard, would get 20 points and eight rebounds. And finally, Eric Pascal and Jacob Evans would both score 14 points off the bench. Uh, for the Clippers, they're 2-0 on the year. And for the Warriors, they go down to 1-1. Alright, y'all, I'm going to take another quick break, and when we come back, we'll be breaking down some college football. Uh, we're breaking down the top 25 real quick, and also uh, some news to get you guys uh ready for this weekend all right y'all i'll be right back
right, y'all, I am back, and I'm going to be breaking down the top 25 right before we head into the weekend in college football, uh, but let's get into it. At number 25, we have Wake Forest at 6-1. and one. At number 24, we have Arizona State at 5-2. and two. At number 23, we have Iowa State, who is also 5-2, and two, and they are also 15th in overall offense and 10th in passing with over two, 320, yards, uh, 320 yards a game, and they are also 25th against the run with a 111 111 yards allowed a game and the last game was a win 34 to 24 at texas tech at 20 uh, 22 we have boise state at six and one at number 21 we have appalachian state at six and oh at number 20 we have iowa at five and two at number 19 we have michigan also at five and two and remember how i was telling you guys don't believe the hype they had some very uh big t- well they had some blowout wins and a couple i think they won about three in a row against some subpar teams and i kept telling y'all don't believe the hype they're not that great that's why i said that because their last game uh, they played against penn state of course who was ranked in the top five and they lost that game 28 to 21 and uh now jim harbaugh uh, apparently wants to go back to the pros at least that's what the reps want him to do that's what they're saying and they recently lost two more transfers in the last uh, couple of weeks uh first off they lost uh, safety jameric woods and also tight end mustafa muhammad so things ain't going right in ann arbor and they're not meeting expectations Definitely something's going to change at the end of the year. At number 18, we have Cincinnati, at, who is at 6-1. At number 17, we have Minnesota, who is 7-0. At number 16, we have SMU, who actually just won another game last night to go up 8-0. They were able to win 34-31. I believe that was, yes, on the road against the Houston uh, Cougars. So, Good look for SMU uh, maintaining on to that undefeated streak. They've been through a lot in their program's history, so it's good to see them uh, back in some sort of relevancy. So I'm going to give them a little bit of clap for today. Um, at number uh, 15, we have Texas at uh, 5-2. and two. At number 14, we have Baylor, who probably hasn't been this high in terms of the ratings since RG3 was there. They are 7-0 and on the year. At number 13, we have Wisconsin, who is 6-1, who is coming off a devastating loss last week. They lost 24. Four to twenty to twenty-three at unranked Illinois. Uh, they do have the top-rated defense in the nation, only allowing fifty-eight uh, rushing yards per game and also one hundred thirty-five passing yards. Uh, they did outgame. Illinois on the ground 408 to about 200 and something but they only scored two touchdowns so that's a that's some questions to ask but they do have a chance to make it all back because they have a big time game this weekend at Ohio State so if they can get the win against Ohio State then they're back in the they're back in the driver's seat not only in terms of the division but also maybe at even uh, getting a playoff spot as well uh, at number 12 we have Utah here at 6-1 and one. at number 11 we also have Oregon here another Pac-12 team here at 6 and one. The last game was a 35-31 win at Washington. They are currently 4-0 in conference play and they have the 16th overall defense in the nation, uh, including the 15th passing defense in the nation, just allowing 178 yards per game. And I mention that because uh, so many years that so many years that I've been a fan of this team, we've always led the nation in offense. We've always been a top scoring team or a top team in terms of rushing or something like that. But uh, something like that. But um, we're finally uh, good in defense, and I, I and and we're just as good as we you know normally have always been. So I think if the offense can start clicking in some ways, uh, maybe passing the ball, throwing the ball down the field a little bit more, I think this team definitely. Um, 
I don't know if they make the playoffs this year uh, just because of that loss against Auburn, but I definitely could think they could challenge if they keep uh, the undefeated uh, streak up. Uh, but let's move on. Uh, we have uh, Notre Dame here at number eight at five and one. At number uh, seven, we have Florida here at seven and one. Uh, their last game was a win, 38 to 27. They did not fall for that South Carolina trap. They were able to beat the Gamecocks there. Uh, they were, uh, oh, actually, uh, junior C.J. Henderson is also a, a semifinalist for the Jim Thorpe Award, who is, uh, which is given to the best defensive back in the country. So uh, they have some, they have some really good talent here, and also Tommy Townsend uh, won punter of the week. So they got talent a little bit. They got talent uh, in just about every level of this uh, Georgia. I'm sorry, this Florida uh, football team. So good luck for them. At number six, we have Penn State, who is still undefeated. Of course, getting that, getting the win against Michigan. At number five, we have Oklahoma, who is seven and zero. At number four, we have Clemson at seven and zero as well. And at number three, we have Ohio State coming in at seven and zero. At number two, again another seven and zero team here with LSU, who the third rank, who has a third ranked offense in the nation. They are also second in passing with 387 yards per game. And quarterback Joe Burrow is all to thank for that. The Heisman candidate. He has a 79% completion percentage. He has 2,484 yards and 29 touchdowns on the year, which is a school record. Yes, believe it. He also has a 93 uh, 93 QBR, which is fourth in the nation. And finally, of course, we have Alabama. And that's going to lead me to my news, basically. Uh, Tua Tagovailoa, he recently, uh, he did have his surgery on his right ankle, and that was earlier this week, but there is no timetable for his return. Tua would like to be back for the squad's game against number two, the current number two, that is, uh, LSU on November 9th. Uh, for now, Mac Jones will be the starter, uh, week nine versus uh Arkansas. Now for Matt Jones, he's played in 12 games over two seasons. Uh, last week, he went 6 of 11 for 72 yards uh, versus uh, Tennessee. Now a sloppy win from Alabama coupled with a solid uh, solid W from LSU and uh, versus number 9 Auburn, which would be LSU's third straight game, third straight win actually versus the top 10 team. It would actually knock Bama from the number one spot. And there is a realistic chance that Tua doesn't play uh, against LSU which could lead to them uh, losing their potential well which could lead to them losing their potential game uh, versus uh, LSU and jeopardizing their playoff hopes. However, with that being said, not much is known about Matt Jones, and I don't really know how good he is. There's a possibility that they could very well lose before then. They could lose against Arkansas, which would be crazy, right? They might not even make it uh, to the LSU game undefeated, that being Alabama. So uh, they are in a crucial spot right now. I think it's always been next man up in that environment, so I don't think Matt Jones will be completely Completely out of his element, but again, it's a it's much it's a much different uh, task to be the starter as opposed to just doing some spot duty or some cleanup duty. So, uh, for Tua and for Bama, I wish them the best. I hope him a speedy recovery because again, they're definitely gonna need it. All right, y'all. I'm gonna take one last quick break, and when I come back and uh, come back in just a second, I'll be going over the World Series. Of course, we are two games deep, and who would have thought? The Nationals would have that two-game lead. So let's talk about it. I'll be back in just a second. We have some news to talk about about the other team, the Astros, as well. So I'll be right back, y'all. All right. All right, y'all. I'm going to wrap this up for today. Of course, we'll be talking some World Series action. Of course, like I said, who would have thought 
that the Nationals would be up two zip on the Houston Astros with all the hitting that they got with George Springer and Alex Bregman. You got Jose Altuve, the American League, the ALCS MVP. Who would have thought that the Astros, of course, again, I myself am a bit surprised and I shouldn't be miffed because again, they have their own MVP too. They got Howie Kendrick, they got Max Scherzer, they got a good bull, they got a good bull, good bullpen. We saw that in game one. Um, you got Doolittle closing out the game, giving them four, four straight outs in game one against uh, the Astros' best hitting, the best hitting that the, the, the Astros could give you. And then we got game two. Well, the Nationals wiped the floor with these guys, 12-3. Let's talk about it. Of course, like I said, Nationals take that 2-0 lead. This is what you need going back uh, to your city to play, definitely. Uh, for uh, the Nationals, they were led by shortstop Azubu Cabrera. He had two hits, three RBIs. Right fielder Adam Eden would also have two hits and two RBIs as well. And third baseman, uh, going back, well, he's back in his hometown uh, that being in the Houston area, third baseman Anthony Rendon had a really good game, batting in two runs. Of course, you just can't. I mean, all over the place. You had runs all over the place. I believe Kurt Suzuki had a couple RBIs as well, or at least one RBI as well. So again, um, the Nationals putting the, putting the runs together, putting the wins together. Again, they're looking like the big dog on the block. They've been looking like that since the first series of the playoffs I keep not necessarily counting them out in my opinion but I just thought the Astros would at least have tied it or something like that maybe one game one or something like that but uh for the Nationals to go up 2-0 I think this is very crucial uh this is I mean again especially in a game like baseball I think this is very crucial to have that first 2-0 um to go up to them, I think it's very crucial. These these games look like they can go either way, and you know, a a, a good bullpen, a good bullpen outing, or a bad bullpen outing will will set you back. I believe in um for and again, we could have saw that in game one. Uh, the Nationals could have very well dropped that game by one or at least one or more runs. Honestly, they the the Astros were looking like they wanted to go on a run, and uh. The Nationals bullpen was not having it. They gave them, I think they gave them about two more runs uh, to make, actually maybe even three more runs to make that game a little bit closer. Uh, and I'm talking about game one here, but uh, that was about it. They shut the door. And in this game here, they were, they, I mean, the Nationals were uh, were ready from go. And uh, pitcher Steven Strasburg will get the start. He went for six innings. Uh, he did give up seven hits, but only one on the run. You cannot, you cannot uh, uh, better equate that. That's seven hits, but only one on run. On run. That's um, that's amazing. And he also had seven strikeouts as well. So again, he's constantly being overlooked as well. I feel. And again, they keep constantly looking over this team. And I think it's uh, coming back to haunt the league, in my opinion. Bryce Harper left them, and the big story coming out, at least out of that division, was going to be the Phillies. The Phillies ended up falling flat on their face. And look at them now. They finished third in the, third in the division. Nowhere near what the Nationals are at right now and uh, look at us we don't have the headache of Bryce Harper and, and uh, they don't have the headache of Bryce Harper and they look like they're going to win this series uh, for the Astros they got a two run home run it was from uh, uh, George Springer uh, they also ended up getting a RBI from um, uh, Martin Maldonado and Justin Verlander he struggled and that was a very that was confusing for me you don't necessarily see this guy 
uh, Verlander struggled, especially in a position like this. He went for six innings, gave up seven hits, but he gave up four earned runs. And he also had seven, six strikeouts, but again, he gave up the, fir, uh, the four earned runs. And the bullpen, uh, they collapsed right under him. So they gave up uh, eight more runs. So again, the Nationals are up. They are looking like the big dog uh, in this fight. And maybe it has something to do with some bad juju again you gotta watch you gotta watch what you do uh astros uh your assistant general manager what's his name Tauschman or taubman let's look him up there we go yeah brandon taubman uh when they won that game six versus the yankees he's over there in the clubhouse saying thank god we got roberto ozuna thank god we i'm so fucking glad we got ozuna that came out of his mouth and mind you he said this to th around three female reporters one of them had a bracelet uh that was a purple bracelet that of course signifies you know domestic violence awareness and for those of you who do not know about roberto ozuna the reason he is on this astros team is because uh he basically was traded away from the blue jays after a situation last year in which he was beating up on his baby mama so uh maybe maybe houston has some bad juju here so um <laughs> maybe that's what it is um unfortunately right now i don't i'm not saying i'm rooting against them because of that i'm definitely rooting for the, the nationals though more so on the positive vibe than, than as opposed to, you know, again, you know, wishing, wishing ill on the, the, the Houston Nationals. I don't do that. I don't think that's worth it. Um, but I do think it's just kind of funny, funny, excuse me, how, you know, that all comes out, you know, at, right after the game six and the the Houston, you know, Astros, their, their PR is like, look, we don't even want to get into it. It didn't happen. They wanted to deny it. And they're just getting clobbered on the baseball side of things. So I just think that that's, you know, there, I mean, there's ways that uh, I guess the universe uh, <laughs> makes you look at things or makes you think about you, what you've done or the things you've said. <laughs> so maybe that might have a little bit of something to do with it. <laughs> um, one bit of news here, though, uh, before I let you guys go, coming from Philadelphia, the Phillies are looking to revamp their front office and they're looking to bring in someone some old pieces from the New York Yankees. Uh, recently, they brought in a uh, Brian, brought in uh, Brian Barber uh, to head their uh, their amateur scouting department. He previously served 19 seasons uh, with the Yankees, and they're also looking to bring in either Joe Girardi or uh, Buck Showalter, two uh, former Yankee managers. Uh, basically, they want to bring them in to run their team as well. So uh, they're on. They are still on the lookout for a manager. I believe the Cubs recently signed one. I believe his name is David Ross. I, uh, I will have some more information about that uh, sometime next week when I get some more baseball news together. I will have some more information on that and all the other manager signings because they're start they're starting to make those decisions uh, as of this week. They still have some uh, there's still some major holes out there in the league to fill up uh, in terms of that role. But again, uh, the Phillies are already in the market for one. The Cubs has already made the decision about who they're going to pick as their manager. So we'll be uh, updating you guys. Uh, I'll be updating you guys in the start of the week on that. Uh, but I'm going to call it a wrap for today. And uh, as far as the rest of the week goes, I have a couple more reviews for you guys. Some Halloween-themed reviews. Uh, for one, I recently watched this movie on Netflix called The Witch. 
I thought that was uh, pretty interesting. Uh, some old Salem witch trial era type uh, type of movie. I liked it. It was pretty cool. It was pretty on, on point in terms of the, uh, the historical references and stuff like that. So I wanted to break that one down. Also, of course, was going to go to the cast of the classic Carrie, which I have never seen myself. So I'm going to break that one down. I'm probably going to watch that one tonight, uh, either tonight or tomorrow. Uh, break that one down. I have those two reviews out for you at uh, some point this weekend. Uh, and then on top of that, of course, uh, the top of the week we'll be having actually I can actually mix that in with a war on the street segment as well so look out for some news uh, at, the, at some point this weekend as well alright y'all if you're looking to get in touch with me you can hit me up on my email at ljbutler75 at gmail.com that is eljbutler75 at gmail.com ljbutler75 at gmail.com eljbutler75 at gmail.com I also have a Facebook page and a uh, Instagram as well if you want to look for me there that is Johnny e-l-j-a-m-a-h a-d-j-a-n-i once again that is Johnny e-l-j-a-m-a-h a-d-j-a-n-i I also have a Facebook page for the show uh, you can hit me up there as well at never out of bounds once again that is never out of bounds all right man all right ladies and gentlemen everybody uh thank you for listening to me uh again i'll be back uh sometime uh, i want to say tomorrow morning or tomorrow night with my first review and then i'll hit you up with some news at some point after that as well and then um yeah like i said i have uh that carry review uh on top for you guys as well i want to have at least one more uh review after that though before the Halloween, before actual halloween because i think i'm gonna be out chilling that night so i want to have all that done out the way all right y'all all right i'll talk to y'all later uh peace out if anybody hasn't uh, told you yet i love you peace out one love and i'll holla at y'all later